February 23rd, 2022, a mother is awakened by the sound of footsteps and a door slamming shut in the early hours of the morning. When she goes to investigate, what she finds will stay with her for the rest of her life. Far from finding a body, she finds only one body part left out in the open in her home. Friends, family, and police investigators alike are sickened by the actions of one person who thought this killing was a sinister game of hide-and-seek using a young man's body parts. This case will leave you in a state of disbelief. The level of horror and remorseless evil are unlike anything we have ever seen before. Welcome to the Beyond Evil podcast, where we discuss and dissect the most harrowing true crime cases from around the world. Before we begin, we would like to send out our condolences to the friends and family of Shad Therian, whose life was ended so prematurely by the selfish and unhinged deeds of one evil person. Green Bay, Wisconsin, a small city situated about 100 miles from Milwaukee with a modest population of around 110,000 people. The small city was also home to Shad Therian. Born in 1997, Shad is reported to have been a nice guy who just lost his way in life and really never discovered the direction he wanted to go. He spent his time working at the family business with his father and grandfather. His biggest passions were gaming and wood carving, something which he is said to have had a real flair for. But as is the case with some people who don't really have any goals or ambitions to speak of, Shad also had his demons. He struggled with varying drug addictions that impacted his health and, of course, his overall lifestyle. Regardless of the way he lived his life, Shad did not deserve the fate that was about to befall him. February the 23rd, 2022 at 3.25 a.m., the remains of the 24-year-old man are found by his mother. She was walking around her home when she came across a bucket at the bottom of a flight of stairs covered with a beach towel, which normally wouldn't have been there. As the woman removes the towel to see what, if anything, was inside, she makes the horrifying discovery. Looking up at her is the head of her deceased son. Eyes open, staring blankly, a look of terror on his face, covered in blood. Shad's mother, Tara Pankinich, immediately called 911. Officers arrived quickly. This was a very unusual call for them to receive. They looked at the head and noticed it hadn't been placed in the bucket alone. Two knives and what appeared to be the remnants of an internal organ had also been placed there as well. The officers quickly began to search the home for any clues and to make sure that there was no further risk to life, starting with Shad's bedroom. It quickly became apparent that the crime scene had taken place in there. The mattress of the bedroom was covered in blood. Presumably, as arteries had been cut wide open, the blood also spurted onto the walls, the floor, and even into a shower. But how did his life come to such a gruesome end? Where was the rest of his body? Despite life choices, Shad didn't appear to have any enemies. So why would someone want to kill him? Not just kill him, but decapitate him in the most brutal and merciless of ways, executing him in the way you could only associate with death penalties handed out during medieval times. Of course, Shad's mother was in pieces, what mother wouldn't be. But the police had to get to work straight away. The first 24 hours of a murder investigation are vital. 
maybe even more so in this case given the brutality involved in the crime. If someone could be this unhinged once, there is always the possibility that they could strike again. Tara said the only thing she remembered was being woken up by the sound of a door slamming shut sometime between 2.30 and 3 a.m. She didn't think too much of it, assuming it to be Shad's girlfriend coming home, which wasn't unusual even at that early hour. Tara had been unable to get back to sleep because whoever was walking around had left a light on. She got out of bed to turn the light off when she noticed a light in the basement had also been left on. Upon entering the basement, she noticed a bucket at the bottom of the stairs and then subsequently made the horrific discovery of her son's head. Tara said the last time she had seen her son alive was the night before, around 8.30. She had no idea who had been to see her son between then and finding his remains. In fact, there was only one person who regularly visited him, his girlfriend, Taylor Shabusiness. Taylor Shabusiness was a 25-year-old woman, also from Green Bay, Wisconsin, she had been married for a few years to Warren Shabusiness, but the marriage wasn't what most people would consider to be a stable relationship. Her husband knew that she was a serial cheater and had been caught playing away many times in the past. They had one son together who, it is strongly rumored, was actually the son of one of her lovers, as Warren apparently had been behind bars when she conceived and gave birth. In a move which demonstrates the lifestyles of Warren and Taylor, and perhaps the volatility of their domestic life, their son had been taken away from them pretty quickly, and was now in the full-time care of a grandparent. The instability of her life may have stemmed from her turbulent childhood. Taylor's mother had died when she was very young, leaving her in the care of her father. Now, we use that term, father very loosely. In reality, he was anything but a father to her and regularly sexually abused her throughout her childhood. This kind of constant abuse often leads to long hidden issues, traumas, and often sex addictions spanning into adulthood. Taylor herself has been described by a friend as a sex addict. On the evening of the 22nd and going into the morning of the 23rd, Tara said that she believed that Taylor had been at the house with Shad. As we mentioned earlier, this wasn't unusual. Shad did, after all, call the married Taylor his girlfriend, when in actual fact, the pair were just having an affair. The problem was, Tara hadn't actually laid eyes on Taylor. There was always the possibility that Shad had brought somebody else home with him. The only bit of information Tara could give to police was that she remembered Taylor drove a van, and if that had been the vehicle she heard leaving the property around 3 a.m., she was long gone. The police investigators hadn't been given much to go on. A potential girlfriend who may be at the property, but no one had seen her, muffled voices from a bedroom, but again, no definite ID of those voices. Given that Taylor's name was the only one mentioned, they had little choice but to start their investigation with her. Two officers immediately made their way around to Taylor's home. The van that Tara had described was outside. At this stage, though, there isn't any evidence to convict anyone, but the sooner law enforcement had started ruling people out of their inquiries, the better. But in an unexpected yet very helpful move, Taylor was about to put herself front and center in this investigation. As soon as the police arrived at the home, they spotted the van that Tara had alluded to and started looking through the windows for any clues. Taylor, perhaps understandably spooked by people eyeing up her vehicle in the early hours of the morning, comes outside to confront what she didn't realize were actually law enforcement officers. She was wearing black sweatpants and a matching hoodie. 
She quickly realized that they were police officers and went very quiet. The officers shined their lights in her direction, illuminating her clothing, which revealed smears of blood down the front and the back of her hoodie, as well as dried blood on her hands. Officers asked Taylor where the blood had come from. Her response was calm but shocking. She simply stated, because of my warrant for my arrest. The officers are taken aback by that response and immediately take her downtown to the police station for further questioning. In the bright light of a station and the interview room, they notice that she has cuts and scratches all over her hands and up her arms. When she was asked about those injuries, Taylor attributed them to self-harming. At this stage, police couldn't prove or disprove her story and began probing her about Shad and the discovery of his body. Although she confirmed that she knew Shad, she denied knowing anything about his death, describing it as pretty up. Strangely, when asked about her van, she said it wasn't hers and it actually belonged to her roommate. Police suspected that Shad was actually her roommate because of the initials of the roommate were SP, matching Shad's. Quite a coincidence. But she did admit to driving the van back from Tara's house. Meanwhile, officers were busy searching both Taylor and Tara's property for other body parts, having only found Shad's head so far. Taylor was asked, where is the rest of the body? She responded, in the basement. When asked what happened, she simply says, good question, claiming to have blacked out throughout the entire gruesome episode. Although this turned out to not be the case, as she quickly contradicted herself by explaining what had actually happened. Taylor said that she, Shad, and a friend picked up some drugs together and went back to her house and spent the afternoon smoking pot until the friend left, which is when Taylor and Shad decided to use methamphetamine instead. Not long after, completely consumed by the effects of the drugs, the pair went to Shad's mom's house and into his bedroom in the basement. Shad then apparently brought out two sets of chains to use for the pair to have, uh, relations together. Taylor said this was nothing new. They used to strangle each other using chains when they had relations regularly. She admitted to pulling the chains around Shad's neck so tight that he coughed up blood. Now, we should note at this point that Taylor shows no signs of remorse or embarrassment. She was speaking calmly and rationally as if nothing had happened, as if it was normal to cough up blood when sleeping with someone. She continued and freely admitted to the officers that she liked it. Her thought process was, in for a penny, in for a pound. She told officers, I'd already gone that far, so I didn't see a point in stopping. It took three to five minutes for him to die. I just wanted to see what he would look like. It was after this that Taylor said she couldn't remember anything. In a very sinister statement, she asked officers, Have you ever loved something so much that you want to kill it? Then, Taylor, in an ironically sick and twisted way, forgets that she is meant to have amnesia at this point and describes exactly what happened after Shad died. Taylor said, I spent something like two or three hours playing with his body. The next details of this case are rather disturbing. She said she continued to try to have intercourse with the lifeless corpse. It's difficult to know why she was being so open about these horrific and necrophilic acts. Police investigators suspected she was going to try to plead insanity. Let's be honest, as far as proving herself insane goes, she was doing a pretty good job. 
Taylor then became more aggressive, not toward officers, but towards herself, saying, The head. I can't believe I left the head behind. You guys are going to have fun trying to find all the other organs, but I think there's a leg in the van. She was then asked what she used to dismember the body. I used knives from the kitchen. Some didn't work very well, but the bread knife, yeah, it worked the best. I think it must have been the serrated edge. The knives are in a bag in the basement along with a few body parts. Whatever bags you find will probably have some body parts in them. I just used whatever I could see at the time. Police investigators took her word for it and went straight to the van. Inside, they did indeed find a leg, just as she had described, as well as other body parts scattered around in different bags and in a crock pot. They also found more than they bargained for. Taylor had hinted that the police would have fun trying to find the organs, but she got that wrong. In a plastic storage tub in the van, they found all of the internal organs as well as more knives, which of course were covered in blood. Let us take a step back here. When Taylor became agitated about forgetting the head, she also explained this to officers. I did intend to clean up the scene as best I could. I saw the blood in the shower all over the floor and bed. But to be honest, cutting up a body and moving all the different parts from the basement to the van was harder than I thought. In the end, I just got lazy. I couldn't be bothered carrying anything else or cleaning up. I didn't mean to kill him. It just happened in the heat of the moment. Things went a little too far. The officer then asked Taylor if she thought it was the right thing to do, to which she replied, No, but I did it anyway. The search and investigation of the two properties and the van was still going on, but clearly there was no need for further evidence gathering for officers to be able to charge Taylor. After the interview, she was taken through to a desk where she was charged with first-degree murder, mutilating a corpse, and sexual assault. Taylor, police discovered afterwards, was already on probation from a month earlier when she had been charged with threatening a police officer. She was taken straight to the Brown County Jail and held under a $2 million bond. In other words, she had no chance of making bail. Police continued to gather the copious amounts of evidence that Taylor had left behind, as well as checking all of her different social media accounts. Something that is common in modern policing with the ever-increasing use of social media amongst all ages, they found a very cryptic post left by Shad two days before he was killed. It read, how could this happen to someone? How could you do it to someone? Goodbye. I don't like where this went. Police so far had been unable to discover what the Post was actually referring to, but they were convinced it was aimed at Taylor. It was perhaps something she had done to him a few days earlier when they were acting out a fantasy. Or could it have been something that he witnessed Taylor doing to someone else? Perhaps it's even possible that Taylor had killed someone else in the same way in front of Shad, making him a witness which would explain why she felt the need to kill him just a few days later. Unfortunately, the one person who could answer these questions was no longer around to tell the story. What we do know for a fact from people who knew Taylor is that she had more than a passing interest in another murderer from Wisconsin, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer, of course, murdered 17 men, mostly by strangulation, and afterwards he dismembered the bodies as well, the same M.O. as Taylor. She had pictures of Dahmer and watched countless hours of documentaries on what he had done. 
Far from just taking an interest in his horrific crimes, Taylor had an infatuation with that sick individual, so it is possible she was acting out a fantasy also carried out by someone she perversely admired. Taylor appeared in court for her plea hearing where she strangely pled not guilty to killing Shad. How she could ever think she was going to get off of the charges that she faced was truly a mystery and something only a disturbed mind like Taylor's could possibly figure out. Her trial was set to go ahead in May of 2023. On February 14th of 2023, however, her lawyer, Quinn Jolly, brought a motion forward to the judge, Thomas Walsh, requesting that the trial be suspended because the defense needed more time to gather evidence and to prepare the case and to have Taylor reevaluated to make sure that she was fit to stand trial in the first place. The judge graciously agreed to Jolly's request, but just as this happened, Taylor did something we have rarely seen before. She was sat to the left of the lawyer when she unexpectedly lashed out at him using her right elbow trying desperately to connect with his face, but fortunately he suffered no injuries. One court bailiff managed to get her on the floor, but it takes two others to properly subdue her. Within a short time, she had switched back to calm again. Mr. Jolly has since lodged a motion with the court to have himself removed from the case. He will, understandably, no longer be representing Taylor Shabiznis. Whoever is given the unfortunate task of representing Taylor, they have a heck of a job on their hands. Surely, most lawyers would be reluctant to even sit face-to-face -face given the treatment that Quinn Jolly had received for his efforts. It is unlikely that Taylor Shabiznis will ever walk the streets again, but will surely spend the rest of her life behind bars, which should give comfort to law-abiding citizens of Wisconsin. The only plus for Taylor is that she is in the state of Wisconsin, and they have not had the death penalty for over 150 years, longer than any other state in the U.S. It was repealed in 1853. Despite her being jailed, there has been little comment from Shad's family. Shad's uncle gave a brief statement on behalf of the family after Taylor had been arrested. Yesterday, we were given some devastating news. Shad Therian, my nephew, was taken from us by what I can only assume is a monster. Shad had a good heart and soul. We love you so much and can't even begin to describe what we are feeling. Shad had his whole life in front of him. He was just 24 years old. His life may not have been going in the most positive of directions at the time of his death, but he had many years ahead of him to change his habits and possibly make his family proud again one day. That has now been taken away from him in the most brutal actions imaginable by a person, Taylor Shabiznis, who is clearly unhinged when it comes to her ability to control her aggression and sexual appetites. A family must now come to terms with the fact that their son, nephew, and grandson will never walk through the door again. He will never sit at the dinner table or celebrate birthdays, Thanksgivings, or Christmas ever again. But there will always be an empty seat reserved at the family table for Shad. Rest in peace, Shad Therian. If you found this story compelling, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review if you would like to show your support. Also, don't forget to hit the notification bell in order to stay up to date each time we reveal a new shocking case. Until next time, Stay safe and keep your eyes peeled. You never know what's lurking in the shadows. <laughs>